The scripture reading is John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Edgerton, I am just doing two sermons before Good Friday that speak of some of the events, or they just talk about an event that occurred during the Passion Week. John 13, 1 through 17 is one of those events. It's Jesus washing the feet of his disciples after they were finished with the Passover meal, or right during the Passover meal. That happened on Thursday night of the Passion Week. So we read this then, and the the text is verses 1 through 17, so it's a lengthy text. Pay special attention to it. John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that hath sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. And so far do we read God's holy word. Again, that whole passage we read is the text we will be looking at tonight. Jesus' foot washing occurred on Thursday of the last week of his life. 
This was the Passover week. The Passover was an annual feast of the Jews in which they would go to Jerusalem, to the temple, to commemorate what God had done in delivering them from the land of Egypt. They would sacrifice a perfect, spotless lamb. Each family would. And then each family would have a meal of roasted lamb, bitter herbs, and unleavened bread. And that lamb was pointing them back to God's deliverance of them from Egypt, but also was supposed to point them forward to Christ's sacrifice. Jews from around the world gathered in Jerusalem for this Passover feast. Now on Sunday of that Passover week, Jesus triumphantly entered the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And then he proceeded in the days that followed to teach the people in the temple and to perform many miracles. Now, as the week went by, the people in Jerusalem became more and more disappointed with Jesus. They had thought when he entered the city on Sunday that he was now going to establish that earthly kingdom. But as the week wore on, they saw he wasn't doing that. And the Pharisees, they were looking for ways to catch him still and kill him. Well, the week came to Thursday. And according to verse 1 of John chapter 13, Jesus knew that his hour was come. It was time, that means, for him to die. And it was on this night, that Thursday night of the Passion Week, the night before he died, that Jesus ate the Passover meal with his disciples and washed their feet. And that foot washing, the event of the text, is significant for two reasons. First, that foot washing pointed the disciples and points us today to his saving work. His spiritual work of cleansing us as people. Second, this act provided his disciples and us with an example of how we are to love one another and serve one another in humility. So may we learn more about Jesus' saving work tonight and in thankfulness go forward serving one another, washing one another's feet and thankfulness for what Christ has done. Let's consider the text under the theme, Jesus' foot washing. First, the act. Second, the example. Third, the joy. First, the act. What happened? Well, on Thursday of the Passion Week, Jesus sent Peter and John to make ready the Passover according to Luke chapter 22, verse 8. Luke 22 deals with what happened before the event of our text in John 13. So in Luke 22, verse 8, we read that Peter and John were sent forth by Jesus to make ready the Passover, and they had to locate a room that was large enough for Jesus and his disciples to eat this meal together. They also had to purchase a lamb, bring that lamb to the temple, 
kill that lamb, and then take back a portion of the meat and roast it for the meal. Also, they had to purchase wine for the four Passover cups, the unleavened bread, and the sauce of bitter herbs. Peter and John accomplished those tasks. They did locate a room there in Jerusalem, an upper room in somebody's home, a room that was large enough for everyone, every one of the disciples in Jesus. had even tables and couches for reclining. Now in the evening, Jesus with the other disciples, they traveled over dusty roads from Bethany to that room that Peter and John had prepared in Jerusalem. And as they gathered there, there was an argument over which of the disciples would be accounted the greatest. That's Luke 22, verse 24. We don't know exactly what the occasion was for that argument. It could be that some were jealous of Peter and John because they had been selected to go make preparations for this Passover feast. It could be that some of the disciples did not like the seating arrangement. They thought they should have a better one, a better seat at the table, a more honorable one. It could be that nobody wanted to do the foot washing, and that started the argument. The people wore sandals in those days. When they walked from town to town, they would travel over dusty roads. And traveling over those dusty roads, their feet would get dirty. They would get grimy as they walked from town to town. And so there was water, a bowl, and towels in this room for washing their feet. Usually a servant or the host would wash the feet of the guests, but there wasn't a servant there. There wasn't a host there in this upper room. And maybe that's why the argument started over who's the greatest. None of the disciples wanted to wash the feet of the other ones because that was the job of a lowly servant. If they washed feet, that would indicate they were of a lower status. So they didn't want to do it. That could be the reason for the argument. Scripture doesn't give us, though, the exact occasion of that argument, but Luke chapter 22 indicates that Jesus did correct them. He said in verse 26 of Luke 22, He that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that doth serve. So Jesus told them that one who is great in the kingdom is one who serves others. It was likely at that point, right after this argument about who's the greatest, that Jesus did a remarkable act. John 13 verse 2 speaks of supper being ended. And the literal translation there is supper being served. Supper was served, and according to verse 4, Jesus then got up in front of the disciples laid aside his outer garments. He put that towel around his waist, then poured the water into the bowl and proceeded to walk to the feet of one of the disciples and began to wash those feet. And then he walked 
to the next disciple, wash their feet, then the next, then the next, and the next. You could hear a pin drop in the room. It's quiet. They're embarrassed. Jesus' washing of his disciples' feet was symbolic. It was symbolic of his saving work. His saving, cleansing work. Consider the exchange between Peter and Jesus. There was silence in that room, as we just heard, until Peter came, or until Jesus came to Peter. Jesus came to Peter, and Peter had to speak. That's who Peter was. That's the kind of person he was. And he said, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? He didn't think that the Lord should do this. He's the Lord. Well, Jesus responded by telling Peter that something is taking place that he does not understand. That's verse 7. He doesn't understand at this time. But that doesn't stop Peter. And in his ignorance, Peter was bold to speak. And he said, thou shalt never wash my feet. In a mixture of pride, arrogance, and love for Jesus, Peter was not going to let the Lord wash his feet, do that job of a, of a servant, lower himself to doing that. He wasn't going to let it happen. Well, Jesus pointed out to Peter that by refusing this washing, he would miss everything. Verse 8, Jesus said, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Meaning, thou hast no share with me. This means, if I wash thee not, Peter, thou hast no fellowship with me. In his great, though ignorant, love for Jesus, Peter took it back. He didn't know that the implication of his refusal to have his feet washed was that he was refusing Jesus altogether. So he then did it, he then said this in verse 9. He said, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my feet, my hands and my head. Wash everything. It's verse 9. And Jesus responded in verse 10: He that is washed needeth not save, that means accept, needeth not accept to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. That exchange between Peter and Jesus is important. What Jesus said to Peter indicates that his washing of feet here is a picture of his work of spiritually cleansing his people. Spiritually saving his people. That's what it points to. Consider the text again. Verse 8, Peter said to him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. We understand that it's one who is not washed spiritually that has no fellowship with Jesus. One needs to be washed from guilt. And one needs to be sanctified if he is going to fellowship with the holy Jesus. So Jesus is certainly referring to a spiritual washing. 
And consider also verse 7 to see that further. Verse 7, Jesus said to Peter, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. So Jesus is saying that Peter will not understand this washing now, but he will understand it in the future. And he's pointing to the time when the Spirit will be poured out upon the church. Then, Peter, you will know this. And that second word, know, in verse 7, the second know refers to a personal, experiential knowledge. He's saying in the future, you're going to know this personally. So, by pointing to this pouring out of the Spirit in verse 7, Jesus is showing that he's not simply referring to a physical washing of feet. Peter could understand that well enough. But Jesus is pointing to a spiritual washing. This washing of the disciples' feet, what it first of all signifies is Jesus' work on the cross, where he would cleanse his people from their sins. The disciples were, and we are, dirty sinners. We're guilty of ourselves. We have a dirty legal record before God of self. And because we are guilty, a totally polluted sinful nature, well, because we're guilty in Adam, a totally polluted sinful nature was passed on to us. So that by nature... All we want to do is sin, and all we can do is sin. We are full of sin in every part by nature. Now at the cross, Jesus would do a cleansing work of us dirty sinners. As the physical water cleansed the dirty feet of the disciples, Jesus' blood would cleanse his people from their guilt. And based on that cleansing of their legal record, Jesus would also cleanse his people within by the Spirit. Based on that work of taking away our guilt, Jesus would earn the right for us to be cleansed within. He earned the right at the cross for his people to be regenerated sanctified. Now, without that cleansing work at the cross of Jesus Christ, we have no part with Jesus. You understand that? A a guilty sinner, one who has that dirty legal record, he has no right to live in fellowship with the holy Jesus. And one who is walking in sin, living really like the devil, That one certainly has no fellowship with Jesus. That one living in unrepentant sin, he does not have fellowship with the Savior. So this washing of the disciples' feet, it symbolized what Jesus was about to do in going to the cross. Now also it symbolized regeneration. A blessing that was earned at the cross and applied to the disciples and applied to us. Titus 3 verse 5 even calls regeneration a washing. 
What is regeneration? It's kind of a big word for some of you kids, but you can understand it. Regeneration is the Spirit's work of implanting the life of Christ in us. The Spirit puts the life of Christ in us as people. And that's a cleansing. Without this... We would continue in dirty sin, living like the devil. But by regenerating us, putting that life in us, the Spirit makes us able to believe and serve the Lord. So it's a cleansing work. And that work of regeneration, it had been applied to the disciples based on the work Christ was about to do at the cross. And that work of regeneration has also been applied to us. Applied to all the disciples except Judas. I should be clear about that. This washing of the disciples' feet, it pointed to Jesus' cleansing work at the cross, the work of regeneration, and also sanctification. Another blessing that Jesus earned by paying for our sins at the cross and is now applied to us. Sanctification, another big word, but what it means is It's the Spirit's work to make us holy within. It's the Spirit's work to bring us to serve God more and more. That idea of sanctification is found in verses 9 and 10 of the text. We read there, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, that means wash not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed, and that word there literally means bathed. It's different than the other words for wash in the other parts of the text. He that is bathed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. So again, that word washed in verse 10 means bathed. Now if someone is bathed, he... He now only needs his feet to be washed, Jesus says. The idea of verse 10 is this, or or think about this to understand verse 10. Think of a man who has taken a bath before a banquet, and he's clean. He's bathed. But on the way to that banquet, he's wearing sandals, and he gets dust and dirt on his feet. Now, when he gets there, he doesn't have to wash his whole body again. He just needs to wash his feet. That's the only thing that's dirty. Jesus was telling Peter in verse 10 that he, Peter, had been washed every whit. So that means he's righteous in Christ, legally, based on the work that Christ was about to do at the cross. He's righteous legally. Also, he has the spirit within and is regenerated. So in a very real sense, he's washed. He's bathed spiritually. Yet, Peter still needs his feet to be washed. Jesus says in verse 10, and the idea of that is he still needs daily sanctification. Because he still lives in the midst of the wicked world. And he still has a sinful nature. So the picture there is of us and Peter still needing to be sanctified daily. Strengthened to serve the Lord daily in this life. 
We are clean. That's true. Just like Peter, we are clean. Christ has paid for all of our sins so that we are righteous legally before God. We are regenerated. We have the Holy Spirit living within us, but we still need that daily sanctification. And that's what Jesus is especially referring to in verse 10 when he talks about there that washing. Now, to boil all that down, what this foot washing by Jesus signifies is his humbling himself in love to cleanse us. That's the big picture here. That's the whole thing. That's what it symbolizes. His humbling himself in love to cleanse us. Jesus stooped low to wash his disciples' feet. In that act in the text, we we see him stooping low. You think of who he is. This is the Son of God come in the flesh. So he is the one who was involved in the creation of the whole world. And he stooped down and he washed the dirty, grimy feet of these disciples who were but creatures of the dust. What king on this earth would stoop down and wash the dirty, grimy feet of his, servant, of his servants? And we have here the king of kings and lord of lords stooping down and washing those feet of those disciples. And this is the righteous and holy Lord we're talking about too. The righteous and holy Lord got down and washed the feet of the sinful disciples. That act of Jesus in this text pointed to what Jesus really did his whole life. From his birth all the way to his death. That It pointed to him lowering himself to cleanse his people. The Son of God went from perfect heaven, perfection in heaven, and lowered himself to live on this sin-cursed earth and took on our dirty sins. And he suffered mockery and beatings and people making false accusations of him. He suffered all of that under God's wrath as one who had our sins on himself. He made himself low. To save us, to cleanse us. Jesus' whole life was giving, 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 and giving. And then he came to the end of his life and he gave himself to death. Talk about lowering oneself. We are speaking of the Son of God come in the flesh, one who is very God. He came here and he went all the way to death. The accursed death at the cross. And he did that in love for us. John 13, verse 1 says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. By washing his disciples' feet, 
a picture of his cleansing work at the cross, Jesus was saying there, right there in that upper room, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to do that spiritual work of cleansing. He, the Son of God, come in the flesh, lowered himself to death. He loved us to the end. Now we can understand why Peter's rejection of Jesus' physical washing of his feet was such a big deal. Jesus lowering himself to wash the feet of these disciples was a picture of him lowering himself to die for the sins of his people at the cross. So if Peter rejected Jesus' physical foot washing, he would also reject Jesus going to the cross in humble service of us. If Peter said, Jesus, you will not wash my feet because you're too great, then Peter would also say, Jesus, you will not go to the cross and do that act of humble service. You're too great. Peter needed to see, and we need to see, that we need, we needed him to be, Jesus to be, a humble servant who went to the cross to die for us, to cleanse us. Peter needed to see that. We need to see that. And Jesus was that humble servant who lowered himself to death. And know that cleansing work was only for his people. Only for his people. Jesus indicates in this text that Judas was not cleansed. In verses 10 and 11, Jesus says to the disciples, Ye are, not, ye are, ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Jesus did not die for Judas. Cleansing him from guilt, and then based on that, regenerating him and sanctifying him, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus only loved his own, as we read in verse 1. He loved his own. And we and the disciples, except Judas, are his own. We're his people. We are believers, and we are believers only as those who have been chosen by him unto salvation and given the Holy Spirit. We are his people. And now you think of how Jesus, really think personally about this, Jesus, Son of God, come in the flesh, lowered himself to serve you and me, to cleanse us, people so unworthy of that. When Jesus was going around that upper room, washing the feet of those disciples in that upper room, he knew how unworthy they were. He knew Peter was about to go and deny him three times. He knew that the disciples would soon forsake him. He knew that. Yet he here, in the text, he goes around the room and washes their feet. Their dirty, grimy feet. And then he goes all the way to the cross and cleanses them there. And he's done that too for us. Unworthy sinners. People very selfish. People very proud. He went to the cross to cleanse us. What humble Servants. Praise God for that work. 
After Peter was silenced and Jesus finished washing the disciples' feet, he taught that his washing of the disciples' feet was an example to us of how we are to treat one another. In verses 12 through 14 of the text, Jesus said, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me master, and that means teacher. Ye call me teacher and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. So Jesus is saying, if I, the Lord and Master, wash your feet, you certainly ought to wash the feet of one another. And he adds then, verse 15, for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. I give you something to copy is what example means there. I give you something to copy. We must follow Jesus' example. We are called to wash one another's feet. Now we need to understand very clearly who's involved in this. This calling comes to all of us who are washed by Jesus Christ. This calling came to the disciples as those who were washed. This calling comes... To all those who are washed, that means you children, you have this calling too, to wash one another's feet. That means adults, that means grandparents, that means each of us. Every one of us is put in the position of being a washer of feet. And we are to wash the feet of one another, that's the exact wording of the text, one another. To the disciples, that meant their fellow disciples. Fellow believers, wash each other's feet. For us, that means wash the feet of others in the church. Right here, fellow believers, wash one another's feet. Now, Jesus is not telling the disciples and us that we must literally wash each other's feet, repeating that act mechanically again and again and again. But he is calling us to follow his example by humbly serving one another in love. That's really what Jesus did. He humbly served us in love by dying for us. We are to follow his example by humbly serving one another in love, lowering ourselves to help one another in any way that we can, no matter how lowly it may seem. Remember, Jesus washed dirty, grimy feet. As Jesus stooped to serve his disciples and us in love, even going to the cross, we are to stoop low to serve one another in love. We're to do the opposite of what the disciples did. The disciples failed to wash the feet of one another as they were in that upper room. It may have been, well, we know there was an argument about who was the greatest, so it may have been that they were thinking in that upper room, I'm too important for a job like that. Somebody else can do it. Or maybe they thought, I've done enough foot washing in my life. Somebody else's turn. 
for foot washing, it's not really all that necessary. They'll get by. It'll be okay. Or perhaps some of the disciples failed to think about washing feet at all. Just weren't even thinking about anybody else. What about us? What about us when there is an opportunity to help, to serve? Well, we are not to think, I can't help because I'm too important for that. And we are not to think, well, I've done enough of that in my life. Somebody else's turn. And we are not to think, why should I have to do it? That's not my job. It's not my job. They can do it. And we're not to help just because we are forced either. Our calling is humbly serve one another in love, lowering yourself, willing to do anything to help that neighbor. That's greatness in the kingdom. The great in Christ's kingdom are those who wash feet, humbly serve one another in love. Now, what are the ways we are to wash one another's feet? How can we do this? Well, first, we wash one another's feet when we listen and speak to one another. Think about it. When you listen to someone else, especially when they're going through difficult times, you wash their feet. You're there helping them. And when you speak encouraging words to them, building them up, you're washing their feet. So do that. Do that in the back of church. Do that by having people over, speaking with them, listening to them. Now, that can be hard sometimes. There's no denying that. That can be. Some might think, well, I'm not good at that kind of thing. And maybe young people here and even adults think, well, that person that's maybe going through a hard time and I could help, they're a little different. And what starts to happen? Well, you're thinking that you're above them. They're kind of weird. Maybe think about the times that too, we maybe have an opportunity to help someone, but then we think about how, well, help me, or they did this to me in the past. No. Jesus says, do as I have done to you. Wash feet. Wash feet. Serve. Remember, the Savior served us who have sinned so terribly against him. So listen and speak to one another in love. Second, help each other. Look for ways to help. Maybe that means you bring a meal to someone who is in need of a meal. Maybe it means that you have someone over who doesn't have a place to go. Maybe it's kind of lonely. Doesn't have somebody to eat with. You have them over. Young people and kids, washing feet is something that you are called to do as well. And that's something that we are to do every day. When you see another kid on the playground that maybe doesn't have anybody to play with, you wash feet by calling them over, helping them, getting them involved. And when you're having a bunch of kids over and there's one person that you know would like to go, but maybe didn't invite them, well, invite them. 
if you're able to invite them to include them. That's washing their feet. That's seeking to help. And that too can be hard. Adults see opportunities to help and think about all the other things that we have to do. And sometimes we really aren't able to do, really aren't able to help. There is too much going on. We have another responsibility. But examine yourself during those times. Think about if maybe I'm too busy because there's too much sports going on. I'm flying here, there, and everywhere, and that's why I don't have time to help. So examine yourself. And kids, it's hard for you, too. You see a, another person struggling maybe to find friends, and, and you're just, it's just more comfortable if you just stay with the same kids and maybe don't have that other person over. It's easier not to. But Jesus says, do as I have done to you. Wash feet. Serve. And third, this is another way to wash feet. Help those who are struggling with sin. For there's not a better way to help someone, to serve someone, to, to bring yourself low to help them. You know about the, about the sin of another, maybe through an announcement at, at church, or maybe they've even left church, or maybe you just know you saw that person do something they shouldn't have done. Well, there are, are times where that happens and the first thing we think is how bad that person is, maybe how we're not really going to be next to them. They're not coming over to my house anymore. That's not washing feet. Washing feet and serving and helping is doing whatever you can to help them. Showing them their sin maybe humbly, or for sure humbly, and going to the cross with them, doing whatever you can again to help. Maybe someone hurts because of a sin they've committed in the past. Well, washing their feet again means we do whatever we can to help. We don't say, oh, I'm going to distance myself from them. That's easier. That's easier to say nothing. Washing feet means you do everything you can to help. Jesus says, do as I have done to you. Wash feet. And do it in love. It's not something we are to do begrudgingly complaining, but to be done in love as Jesus did it in love for us sinners. Dirty, dirty sinners. Jesus' washing of his disciples' feet is an example that we are to follow in thankfulness. The question Jesus asks in verse 12 is, do you know my service to you? Do you know my humbling myself to cleanse you? Do you know that? I'll read that, verse 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? The disciples knew what Jesus had done in washing their feet physically. They knew that. But they did not understand fully the spiritual washing. In verse 7, Jesus said to Peter, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. They did not really understand what he would do on the cross in washing them from their sins. They did know that he had just physically washed their feet. 
They did know something about his coming to save them from their sins. And they would soon know, experientially even know, Jesus' cleansing work. They would know that in the future when the Spirit was poured out. They would know, they would know that truth with an experiential knowledge. They would know that Jesus had died and cleansed them from their sins in great service. Now the question is, do we know what Jesus has done to wash his people? Do we know that personally? We do. We know as believers that he went to the cross for us, dirty sinners. We know that he earned for us there all the gifts of salvation. Knowing Jesus' humble service of cleansing us, we are to serve one another then in thankfulness. That's the idea of the text. That's the point of verses 12 through 16. Verse 12 says, Know ye what I have done to you? Then verses 13 through 16, Ye also ought to wash one another's feet. So Jesus is our Lord and Master who's way above us. And he has served us. So we certainly must serve one another in gratitude. When we refuse to wash the feet of others, we are really saying that we're above Jesus. Saying we are above the Lord and and are not thankful to him. That's Jesus' point in verse 16. It says in verse 16, Verily I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent, greater than he that sent him. So those who do not serve one another are really saying, I'm greater than the Lord. Because the Lord's the one who came here and washed feet. And who even died for the sins of his people. When we don't wash feet, then we're saying we're not thankful to him. So examine yourselves, and I need to examine myself. Am I failing to serve others in thankfulness? How often do I draw back when I have an opportunity to serve? How often do I make excuses? Make excuses and think, well, someone else should do it. How often... Even when I serve, am I complaining? Ask God tonight to show you where you have been unwilling to serve and wash feet. And ask for forgiveness in the blood of Jesus Christ. And seek to serve God in thankfulness for what Christ has done. We follow Jesus' example in this thankfulness only by the power of Christ's Spirit. Only by the power of Christ's Spirit. We certainly don't do it in our own strength. We don't do it in our own strength as those who have a sinful nature. Of ourselves, we do not know Christ's cleansing, saving work. The disciples didn't. They didn't know it of themselves. Verse 7 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, What do I, what I do, thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. 
So these disciples, they did not understand Jesus' spiritual cleansing work in their own strength. And we do not know Christ's spiritual cleansing work in our strength. We might know a little bit about his death. But on our own, we do not believe in him for all of our salvation. We do not know personally that cleansing work of Jesus Christ. We wouldn't care about Christ's saving work if we were left to self. And so we would never wash the feet of one another in thankfulness for what Christ has done. We would be selfish. We would be proud. And if we did help others, we would only do that to lift up our own name so that others praised us. Or we do it for the general good of mankind. We would not do it in thankfulness for Christ to God's glory. We follow this way of Jesus only by the Spirit's power. That was true for the disciples. When Jesus says in verse 7 that the disciples shall know hereafter, he's pointing to Pentecost when his Spirit would be poured out upon these disciples. These disciples already had the Spirit. But Jesus was soon going to ascend and pour out the Spirit upon them. And they would have greater knowledge and greater strength to serve the Lord in thankfulness. By the Lord's Spirit, then, these disciples would know Jesus' cleansing, saving work. And they would go forward seeking to serve one another in thankfulness. They would see their pride and their selfishness by the power of the Holy Spirit. They would see that Jesus lowered himself to cleanse them. They'd be amazed by that. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they would go forward doing all they could to help one another in thankfulness for Christ. And that's what the disciples did by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see that in what happens in the book of Acts, them going forward and giving their life to the spread of the gospel. And the same thing is true for us. Christ, our Lord, he works in us by his Holy Spirit to believe in Jesus and know that cleansing work personally. He works in us tonight even to see our horrible sins and how Jesus lowered himself for me And the Spirit empowers us to go forward, helping one another in thankfulness. It's by the Spirit's power alone. And Jesus taught, Jesus taught that there is great joy in this way of thankful service to one another. And that's last tonight. Verse 17. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. There is no joy for those who do not know Jesus' cleansing work and do not wash the feet of one another in thankfulness. Judas had no true joy. We see here Judas. Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus. Judas did not believe in Jesus. Judas never knew his cleansing work. 
He didn't serve others then in thankfulness for Christ either. We know that even uh, he's the one who had the money, he had the bag. And when people would give money to the disciples or Jesus for the poor people, Judas would take some of that for himself. He wasn't someone who sought to wash the feet of others. He walked in the miserable way of sin and killed himself. There's no true joy today either for those who do not know Jesus' cleansing work. That is, know it personally. There's no joy for them as they do do not know Jesus' cleansing work and do not walk in loving service to others. Selfish and proud, they may have many earthly riches. May have lots, but they never are never satisfied. They fear death. And they go to hell. There's no joy for them. No true joy. But those who know Jesus' cleansing work, know that personally, and wash the feet of others in thankfulness, they have joy in that way. Think of this. We believe in Jesus and we know his cleansing work personally by the work of the Spirit within us. We know it. We know that he lowered himself for us. And the Spirit empowers us to lower ourselves to live in thankfulness and serve others. And in that way, there's joy. As we are serving others, we're thinking of Jesus, how he lowered himself for us. In that way, there's great joy. We experience closeness with our Savior as we think upon Him and what He's done and stoop to serve others in gratitude. There's great joy in that way. So what a Savior Jesus is. What a marvelous Savior. He stooped low to come here and die for us so that we might be cleansed. He gives us the knowledge of this, personal knowledge of this, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He strengthens us to walk in this way of loving service, and in this way we have great joy. It's because of the Savior. See that and give thanks. Washing feet. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father which art in heaven, Lord, we come before thee, and we are thankful that thou hast given to us the gift of thy Son who came here, who lived a life of humble service to us and went all the way to the cross. We are thankful, and may we show that thankfulness by washing the feet of one another. Lord, empower us to do that. We will never do it on our own. Strengthen us. Forgive our failures in Jesus' blood. It's in Jesus' name alone we pray. Amen.